morning. We're in Terrible Minutes. Saki King. Saki Kings chapter 5. Today we're going to have Saki Kings chapter 5, part 2. Continuation of Second Kings chapter 5. And the last uh, first part of Second Kings chapter 5, we talked about Naaman. How Naaman had leprosy and he came to Elijah. A little servant girl had told him if he came to Elijah that he he'd be cured of it. And Naaman has come to Elijah for, uh, for healing by bringing a letter from the king of Syria. But he also brought with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. We noted in our last lesson that this amount could be estimated to be worth around five and a half million dollars. Now Naaman, after getting past his anger. So when Elijah told him to go dip seven times in the River Jordan, he got mad about it because he said he had better rivers in, in Jordan back in his home. But after his, his service and all talked with him and got him to understand his reason, after Naaman, after getting past his anger, had humbled himself and dipped in the Jordan River seven times as he was instructed, by displaying this faith, he was healed. Of his leprosy. Now, 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 15, tells that Naaman returns to Elijah, desiring to give him the gift that he had brought with him, which, is, as I already pointed out, is an overwhelming amount of wealth. But look what Elijah says in verse 16, chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 16. <laughs> But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Here we say Elijah has taken his oath that he will receive nothing that Naaman had brought. That would probably be a hard thing, looking at it with physical eyes, to turn down five and a half million dollars. It shows he had his heart and his mind in the right place. But as I said, he took this oath that he wasn't going to take what Naaman had brought. Even though Naaman urges him to take it, Elijah still refuses. Naaman now sets himself to be a worshiper of the Lord God alone. In spite of the challenges he faces as the commander of the king's army. Now we would expect this happy ending to conclude it verse 19. But after Naaman has traveled a distance back to Syria, Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, thinks about something. Let's look at what he's thinking in verse 20. He says, See, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian, and not a second from his hand what he brought. So he takes an oath that he will run after Naaman and get something from him. Now we start seeing that 
that human uh, form kicking in. Now it's important that we listen to the motivation that's being exposed in the heart of Gehazi. He does not like that Elijah has spared Naaman and Assyria. Now the NIV uh, reads that Elijah was too easy on Naaman. The CSV, the Christian Bible, says that Elijah let the Syrian off lightly. Naaman is a Syrian and a commander in the army. He should pay for his sins. He should pay for what he's done. Now we're presented with an interesting contrast of service. Remember that the captured survey girl was the one who wanted to help Naomi and told his wife about Elijah and how he could heal her master. But on the other hand, Gehazi the one that actually walked with Elijah, the one that actually seen all these miracles and everything that God was doing through his master, Elijah. Gehazi, the servant Elijah, has a different perspective. He wants to exploit Naaman. He thinks that Naaman has been let off easy for who he is and what he has done. Gehazi thinks that what Elijah has done was unfair. It was just not just. He needs, uh, Gehazi said that he needs to pay something for what he's done. So Gehazi hurries after Naaman and catches up with him in verse 21 of chapter 5. Naaman asked Gehazi, if everything is all right, Gehazi said that all is fine. But then he makes up this story about how two young men from the company of the prophets had come, and they are in need of provision. Gehazi asked for two talents of silver and two changes of clothes. This would approximate to around $57,000 in our day. Now, Naaman's anxious to help, and he gives him the money and the clothes. Naaman even sends two of his servants with Gehazi to help him carry all this wealth back. Gehazi then takes his money from their hands and he hides the money in the clothing in his house. Verse 24. <coughs> 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 24. And when he had came to the tower, he took from their hand and bestowed them in the house and let the men go, and they departed. Gehazi then comes before Elijah. But Elijah wants to know where Gehazi's been. And this is Gehazi's chance to explain himself and to tell what had happened. However, Gehazi makes it even worse. He lies and says, Your servant went nowhere, verse 25. Now, Gehazi should have known better. You cannot hide anything from the man of God. So Elijah responds in verse 26 and verse 27. <laughs> Turn over to verse 26 and 27. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chair to meet thee. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? Then he says in verse 27, 
The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went away from his brethren, a leper as white as snow. Here we see that Elijah says that his heart was with Gehazi when he went and did what he did. But listen to what he told, what Elijah told Gehazi we just read in verse 26. When he told him, it's, is it time to accept silver and clothing? Is it time to accept our orchard or vineyards or anything? And what I want us to think about what Elijah is actually saying here. Was this the time to get what you could out of Naaman? Was this the time for retribution? Was this the time to try to get whatever we could out of him? Was this the moment to act like a typical worldly person? Was it not the time to show the grace of God to the Syrian? And then he told him, verse 27, as I just read, Therefore the leprosy that was on Naaman was now cling to Gehazi and his descendants forever. And we see a common problem with God. What is revealed in Gehazi is a, is a common problem that is revealed in our hearts throughout the scriptures. Gehazi is upset that this Syrian commander has not paid the price for what he has done against Israel. Not only this, this Syrian commander has been graciously healed without cost. How dare Elijah do this? But this feeling comes up over and over again in Scripture. We look at things with human eyes. God looks at it with his own loving eyes. We have to stop and ask, what was Jonah's problem? Listen to what he says to God about how God handled the Assyrians who were a terrible, wicked person, people. In Jonah chapter 3, verses 10 through Jonah chapter 4. When God saw what they did, how they had turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angered. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I went, for I knew that you are a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah 3, verse 10 through Jonah 4 and 3. Notice that Jonah's upset. Jonah is upset about the merciful nature of God. This was the whole reason that Jonah avoided going to Tartan. He did not want those terrible people to repent. I prayed that not only myself, but I also prayed that 
no, no heart here, no soul here would ever feel this way towards other people. We should be exceedingly happy and gracious to know that God has spared someone from their sinful life. When someone come forth and get baptized, we should never say, now why did God let that person get baptized? All the stuff they have done. We should be overly excited. We should be like your brother Ryan Hasty. Every time he baptized someone, I know about it. And I'm in Georgia. <laughs> because he's so excited about it, he posted it out on social media. That's what we should. We should be so excited. We should thank God for this person seeing the light. We should pray and ask God to help us help this person stay in the light. But here Noah, I mean Jonah, Jonah's upset about the merciful nature of God. And that was his reason he didn't want to. He didn't want the people to repent. Jesus told two parables that made the same point. In the parable of the lost things, Jesus talks about a lost son who wasted his father's inheritance in furious, reckless living. When the lost son returns, the older brother was angry. He refused to even go into the party. Luke chapter 15, verse 28. Luke 15 and 28. The older brother then points out all the things that this younger brother did against his father. He devoured your property with prostitutes, but you killed the fatted calf for him. Luke chapter 15, verse 30. Luke 15 and 30. Do you see his problem? He's asking him, how can you receive him back? Look what all he did against you. The same thing can be asked about each and every one of us. How can God accept us back when we turn our backs on him? If you study in God's word, you know the answer is simple. He calls it his love. For each and every one of us. We have a Heavenly Father that loves us enough to allow His Son to go through what Jesus went through so that we can have forgiveness of our sins. We know we have a Heavenly Father that really loves us. In the parable about the laborers in the vineyard, in the roundabout way, Brother Clay kind of touched on that this morning. When we help them with us and all, we can use our money to help them. Here, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Matthew 20, 1 through 16. Jesus is telling a story about laborers who come into the vineyard to work for the master at various times of the day. The verses tell us that some started early in the morning and agreed for it to work for a day's wages, a denarius. Some began working at nine in the morning. Some began working at noon. Some began working in the afternoon. And some even started working in the evening time. By after the heart, everything was done, and the day was ended, the master gave everyone the same amount of money for the work that they did. Now this caused the ones who had Work the longest to complain about what they receive, even though this is what they agreed to. On receiving it, they grumbled at the masters of the house, saying, 
These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who had borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a Daenerys? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. Matthew chapter 20, verses 11 through 16. Notice here that how the master frames the problem. You are begrudging his generosity. You receive what you were promised, but you are upset that others are receiving the generosity of the Lord as well. We could take someone who grew up in the church, remain faithful to the church all the way through. Do you think that person don't get on judgment day and ask the Lord, well, why are you saving them? They waited, they were in their 70s and 80s before they come to you. Not like me from my childhood up. No. If we truly love God and understand God's word, we're going to be happy that that person decided to accept God's word when they did. We have to stop and look at the ones that hadn't accepted God yet. We have to ask ourselves, don't ask ourselves, why aren't they? Ask ourselves, how can I help them see the light? Because as the master uh, framed his problem, he told them that they were begrudging him for his generosity instead of being grateful. Same attitude we got to have towards God. Because you receive what you were promised, but you was upset others are receiving generosity of the Lord as well. This is sense that Gehazi's problem. Do you see what everyone has a problem with each of these accounts? Everyone has a problem with the merciful nature of God. They have a problem with the generous nature of God. They hate the mercy of God. Now the time we have left, I want to see how we can bring this into effect and apply it to our own lives. But first of all, before we can do that, we have to ask, so what is the issue here? The issue is that the person is taking the place of God and saying that what that person has done is unforgivable. They are saying that the person does not deserve the mercy of God because what they have done is too severe. Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners and the Jewish leaders grumble about it. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and the crowds grumble because he was a chief tax collector. Gehazi thinks that Naaman needs to pay up and pay up to him, of course, for his own personal benefit. Because we're told in verse 25, he carried his money and all and he hid it in his house. Jonah thinks that the Syrians need to pay up by being judged. They should not get what they have. Like the older uh, son, we can think that someone has done too much to be forgiven. We can even think that it's not right for God to save that a certain person has really wronged us. 
We can even say that it's not right for God to bless or be generous towards ones that have wronged us. But now I'm going to hope that we would never think this way. We all realize that we are sinners. We all realize that none of us deserve the grace of God. None of us deserves God's generosity. But who would you not forgive until you get your pound of flesh out of them? Have we got someone that has done us wrong and we feel like they've really done us wrong and I'm just not going to forgive him until I, I feel like he's learned his lesson or she's learned her lesson. But who would you not forgive until you get your, as I said, your pound of flesh out of them until you get where you feel like right, done right? Who would not show kindness or mercy to because you think they have done too much against you? You see that Gehazi's problem is that this Syrian, Naaman, should pay for what he has done. So he's going to make him pay, even though God does not require this type of payment. Gehazi was going to make him pay. We've got to ask ourselves the question, do we do this in one fashion or another? Do we think that we need to make someone pay for what they have done? Do we make our spouses pay with our anger when they sin against you? Do you make your family members pay when they do something wrong? Do you make your co-workers pay when you feel like they have done something against you? Do we think that we need to not let people off the hook just like Gehazi thought here? Now I want you to think about what Elijah said to Gehazi. This was not a time for a selfish grab, but time to show the glorious mercy of God. When someone does us wrong, it's not a time to strike back. I have to catch myself on it because I don't always see things like this. We have to pray. But that is the time to show them the glorious mercy of God. This is time for us. It's not time for us to make a selfish grab for power over another. It is time for us to show mercy to another because God has been merciful to us. No, they, they do not deserve God's mercy and neither do we. But yet we forget this and we think that we have the right to do what we must because they have done us wrong. We can only be the merciful people God has called us to be when we see how undeserved our mercy is. We are not, no, we are not better than anyone else. This is truly seen here in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, as a daughter of Syrian commander, receives mercy, while Gehazi, the Israelite servant of Elijah, receives judgment. This is the point Jesus made in Luke chapter 4, verse 27. There were many lepers in Israel, but none of them were cleansed at the time except Naaman and Syria. In closing, how do we look at sinners? How do we look at people who harm us or wrong us? How do we look at those who fail us? How do we look at those who have failed God? Do we expect them to be worthy of our forgiveness and our kindness? Or are we at the forefront of mercy, reaching out to them with hope from God 
Because we understand the mercy of God in our own lives. We understand that God truly does want. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to him through repentance. And if someone has done wrong, how are they going to get that forgiveness unless they learn the way, unless we show them the way? So if we prepare to sing our song of invitation, if we decide to go out for vengeance and take it in our own hands, if we need the prayers and ask God for the wisdom and the strength to let Him handle things, maybe you need to be baptized, become a child of God, or already been baptized and just stepped out of His way, we need the prayers and encouragement of the congregation to come back in Him. Whatever you need may be, we ask you to come forward and stand now and sing our song of invitation. <laughs>